Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate me to me all the firstborn, all the firstborn, whatever opens a womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast. And say this last part with me. Say, it is mine. That's God. He is saying, it is mine. <laughs> like a little child playing with another little child. You ever seen children play and one grabs the other one's toy and grabs it back and says, mine. Children know what belongs to them. As God's children, we have to know what belongs to God. Now, here's the uniqueness about that. What belongs to God belongs to us as well under a covenant. Everything that was in Christ is really your heir to that as well. But you got to get one thing straight. Know that he owns everything. That may sound like a paradox, but what happens and what ha your father has, the son has too. Prodigal son. The one who was waiting for the other to come back or saw him coming back. He threw a fit. He was jealous. Why didn't you throw me a party? And he looked at the son and said, son, you, you could have had a party anytime you wanted to have a party. All that I have is yours. So he said, the Lord said, every beast that opens up the womb belongs to me. It's mine. Jump down to verse 12. Now we're going to be more, more specific on, on what this is referring to and see the principle here. And he goes further about this and he begins to say, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the male shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey, everyone say unclean. Every firstborn of a donkey. A donkey was an unclean animal. People look at the donkey and say, why in the world God say... Uh, mentioned the donkey it was reference to an unclean animal you shall redeem with the lamb everyone say clean the lamb represented a clean animal and if you will not redeem it redeem what the unclean then you shall break its neck wow in other words if you don't give it to me it doesn't belong to you it will become a curse to you because it's mine and it hasn't been redeemed, you might as well kill it because it's going to cause trouble. If God gives a command and says, whatever you have needs how to redeem it and you don't do it, then you're going to lose it anyways, you might as well kill it. How many of you understand that? If you were a farmer and God was your boss and he told you the secret of your prosperity and your farm and you didn't do this, you'd lose that donkey and everything that came with it. This is what God was telling Israel. This is God's doing. This is for God's people. This was a principle that God's people had to have in order for him to bless them. It didn't matter what the other heathen nations did. They weren't God's people. This is for God's people. Turn to somebody and tell them, it's for me. This is for me. Well, I don't have a donkey. Maybe you are one. <laughs> I don't care who you are. That's funny. That was Latino humor in its finest. Every firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Here's the, here's the point. This was the system of first fruits. This was the system of God's redemptive plan to bless his people so they can come out of head, whether they had clean or unclean. This had everything to do with a redemptive plan for humanity as well. Somebody say, Lord Jesus, help me learn. Amen. Give God a love praise right now. Tell him thank you. Thank you. You can be seated. The unclean really was refer referenced to many times in my mind was to the Gentiles. So the little pun I just threw out there really was kind of true in a sense of being unclean. 
But then you look further into the scripture and what you really start understanding is that really the unclean were those that had not been saved or redeemed. And they're under a New Testament, under the New Testament. Sinners were comprised of Jew and Gentile. Am I right? Under an old covenant, it was animals. It was certain animals that God had separated to not be kosher. And when they weren't kosher, they weren't aligned with his dietary plan, then they were unclean. They weren't supposed to eat it because there were some health benefits. There were health benefits that would happen, things that would occur whenever they did eat of it. It wasn't good. God knew what he was talking about. So when Jesus came into the world and Jesus began to bring salvation and redemption, then in the eyes of everyone else, everything became clean. Everything became clean and acceptable. Doesn't mean it would change the effects it would have on your body, but because of the redemptive plan of God, everything was accepted. To give you an example, let me give you an example of this. This is what we're referring to as clean and unclean. And you're probably thinking, what a cute donkey. Why would anybody want to break him? <laughs> cute until it hits you, kicks you. Um, this was for our example. Keep, keep in mind that this was for our example. And, and, as, and as, as extreme as it may sound, the lamb, which was clean, if they wanted to keep and keep the donkey, which was unclean, the lamb had to be sacrificed and given. This was a type of, but then if you look at this, what does this have to do with us? You have to ask yourself the question, who was the only individual that was born in this world without sin? Who was it? Jesus. He was clean. The rest of us, this is why it doesn't pertain just to one nation, but all of humanity was born into sin and came with the sinful nature. No one had to teach us. You don't go to school to learn to be bad, be disrespectful, rebellious, mischievous. That's just part of your nature. It's part of all of our nature. All of us have a sinful nature. Even in one point of the scripture, in, in, the, in the mind of some of the Jewish uh, disciples and, and apostles, uh, Peter was called to reach the Jewish nation, but, but Paul was called to reach the Gentiles. So Paul had an understanding in all of this because he had deeper revelation of the Old Testament. But Peter, who was a fisherman, may have grew up in the church on the Jewish culture but he didn't have the understanding until God gave him a vision in Acts chapter 10 and showed him that when he descended down in, the, in a blanket and there were unclean animals that came in a vision in front of him and the Spirit of God spoke to Peter and said, eat. And Peter said, no, Lord, I've never taken anything unclean into my lips or eaten it. And the Lord said, don't call that which is that I claim unclean. And then he said, I perceive that God is fixing to pour his spirit out and save the Gentile nation. And that's when he was called to go to the house of Cornelius. When he went to the house of Cornelius, he went there with the intention to save the unclean. Now that was a Gentile, but the truth was he was also sent to the Jewish nation. They were unclean too, under a new covenant. So it wasn't just for one nation. It was for all nations. And the one thing that would give us hope was if we were going to make it and live, something had to be offered. So in retrospect and all that we look at now, looking back, now we get clear understanding. And this is the next slide. It's very simple, but that lamb was this right here, and that was Jesus Christ, the lamb of God. God redeemed us. 
He paid a high price. His only, only son. There are so many stories about this in the scripture. From Abraham and his son. Even to the story of, of, the, of, the, of, of Uriah who lost his wife. And the prophet came and convicted David. And said there was a man who had a special lamb. Just one. God used the lamb. They're so precious and looking, right, and so innocent. And yet God took something, and it's no coincidence that it was white, you know, in this picture at least, in this depiction. But it had to be pure. And, and if you won't appreciate this if you don't understand Jewish worship. See, now, growing up as a Gentile, you and I, we've never had to raise lambs. We've never had to sacrifice or offer animals for our redemption and have a right standing with God. So, so for us, we have to relearn this in our mind. You have to understand, you and I both, we both have to understand that when the Lord and when the apostles, when, when they began to teach the teachings of Christ and how the kingdom worked and how it functioned, they included all of these principles they included these laws. They wasn't done away with. It was fulfilled in Christ. So we have to re-educate ourselves to learn the secrets of the kingdom. And you have to go back to your Jewish roots. Yes, you heard me. Jewish roots. If you have accepted Jesus and Jesus is in your life, guess what? You have a Jew inside of you. Your God was Jewish, and the origin of his belief system was rooted into Hebrew culture. And when you think of worship, you think of coming to church, singing a few songs, and then hearing a message, and then praying a little bit and going home, when it was a totally different lifestyle, a continual lifestyle. If we lived back in the days where God required this animal and the redemptive plan, then you would have to have raised animals. How many of you were raised in 4-H? How many of you had to raise animals? So how many farmers do we have here? I mean, I don't know. There's a few. You, you, know, you know everything about raising chickens and raising up that sheep and raising up whatever it is that you're going to show at the livestock show. How much work goes into that to get a spotless animal? See, we don't think about that. We don't think about all the long hours, early mornings, how much water, how much feed, veterinarian bills. Yeah, love. Did you say love? Love, a lot of love in there. Even you hate it. You still got to love them if they're going to be healthy. They become a product of your environment. There's a lot of t care and attention that goes into that. This was the life of every Jewish family. Either they had to raise it or they had to buy it from somebody. When God finally said, enough is enough, sacrifice and offerings, it's not satisfying me, not the bulls of an ashes, uh, not the, 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 the burnt offerings of a goat, of, uh, the ashes of a heifer. Uh, he said, but a body, he said, I have prepared for myself. Body is the book of Hebrews. It says God has prepared for us. Can you imagine for those who got the revelation, for those who got, because not everybody did, when Jesus became the sacrificial lamb that was slain once and for all. Can you imagine all the people that finally got the revelation that were raising animals were like, praise the Lord. No more trying to find feed. No more dewormers. No more trying to be fearful of whether or not we provided the right sacrifice. No more spending money on going to that guy who charges way too much for those sheep. I mean, you got to think about this. See, you and I can't really appreciate this process unless we put ourselves in our ancestors' shoes. Yes, your ancestors. Having Jesus in your life has given you a new lineage and a new family tree. 
Here's the good news. If you have no family tree or you're like me, your family tree's messed up and you're Latino and you don't know if it even exists, you've got one in the Bible through the Spirit of Christ. You have a new lineage. You got to study where you come from spiritually. You are more Jewish than you know. And your approach towards God. You follow the commandments of God without anybody even having to teach you everything because the Holy Spirit teaches you everything and you draw closer. And the more you get into the word, the more you begin to understand your roots, your history. Therefore, you understand how to approach God. That's what this is all about. That's what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples. He was trying to teach them everything that Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms wrote concerning him, according to Luke in the 24th chapter. He was trying to give them revelation and understanding. And this redemptive plan that God had, this redemptive plan, when God sent his only begotten son into the world, was a type of God's first fruit offering. Number one, Jesus was God's first fruits offering. Where does that come into play in our life? He redeemed you. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, you are a donkey. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm telling you right now, we were unclean without God, stubborn and thought we were just shitty and high-minded and had it all together. But God came in and redeemed us. And that's what this is all about. Everyone say, I was unclean. But God <laughs> cleansed me, redeemed me when nobody wanted me. Jesus became the first fruits. Now, this is what you have to consider. Here's what you have to keep in mind. Most investors, most people, when they make a good investment, look at the track record. See if it brings any returns or see if that individual has results or character. If you're going to invest in something or someone, you look at the track record. Isn't it amazing that according to the kingdom, that you and I, we're so far off, so bad, well, let me speak for myself, so bad, liars, haters, backbiters. I mean, how many of you know what you used to be before Jesus found you? Imagine that. And would you have thought that God would have picked you? Watch this. John chapter 3, verse 16, everyone reads this, but sometimes they miss the very essence of it. Such a simple scripture, but yet so meaningful and so much revelation in it. For God so loved the world, not the church, not the saint, not the good people, not those with good track records. He gave his only begotten son, his own son. Donkeys couldn't do much for the farmer except carry burdens. I'm sure there were some other needs that were met. Maybe they had some coyotes. I don't know. I don't know what donkeys do. I know lambs can do far much more for the farmer than a donkey can. with their coats, had so much more to offer. When Jesus came into this world, he was the light of the world, and he was God's son, and he was in the very image of God, and he had the power of God, the majesty of God. He had the results, his track record. He was without sin, yet God said, I'm going to give his life for the losers. You heard me. I know what I was. I was a loser without Jesus. I know I was. I didn't have an anointing in my life before God found me. I thought I knew everything. I was arrogant. I was proud. Now stop looking at me. Think about you. You were lost in sin. You were in the mud. You were in the miry clay. You were on unstable ground. You were in darkness. You and I were in a dark place. But then one day, 
Someone told you about the blood of Jesus. Someone told you that there was a lamb that was given for you, and you had no idea it was in the Jewish culture either. You just believed it, and it did something for you. How much more when you get a revelation of what this really means and understand that God gave the first fruits of his son, of his family, so he bought, he bought you. He redeemed you. God so loved the world, he gave. You know what some people do? Some people, not you, of course, no one in this church, I know. But some people never give God anything unless God does something good for them first. You know what they are? They're tippers. Like, like God's waiting on us. If God waits good on us, then we tip him what's left over after he gives us something good. But tithers give God before they get results. It's a step of faith. And it's not just money. It's time, talent, treasure. Give God your best by faith because he took a gamble on you. There was no promise that you would return back and bring the results back. You know how many people, how many people do you know of that God saved yet went and turned their back on God and aren't living for God today? There's no for sure thing. God took a chance and gave his best. The least we can do is turn back around and serve him and begin to serve the purpose and, and give our lives. And, and, and that's what he wants. He wants our heart. He wants our heart. So what's this? God did not send, back to this, God did not send. Let's back up a little bit more. For whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a promise. Should not perish along any path. God is, in other words, trying to tell you when you put faith and understand what he did through redemption, there is no pit, there is no entrapment, there is no sin, there is no devil that can cause you to fail or to perish. But everlasting life, God will cause to bubble up out of you, to rise up inside of you and not perish. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Do you see it? Do you see what God did for you? Do you see what the Lord did? From our perspective, he gave his son and redeemed you to give you a chance. To give you a chance. And unless we understand that, we can't appreciate it. Unless we understand the concept, then we get offended when God doesn't come through. We get upset when God doesn't provide. We get offended whenever God doesn't match our sacrifice, thinking he owes us something. I've been going to church every single Sunday. Coming to church does not make you a Christian. Coming to church shows you're a Christian, but what you do in private is what makes you one. A Christian is a follower and a worshiper of Jesus Christ. What I want to show you is the concept that we need to catch, and here's what I want you to catch. If you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Jehovah Jireh became the perfect offering, point number two. Jehovah Jireh came and became the perfect offering. How many times have we said, okay, um, you know what? We don't have it, but God will provide Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> and you, re you referred to him providing you with things. How many of you have been guilty of that and said that so many times? Jehovah Jireh, my provider, and you thought about groceries. Or you thought about the bills. Be honest, how many of you have applied that scripture to that? Can I show you a, 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 a different perspective? 
really the real perspective? I believe which is the real perspective. Are you ready for some revelation? You want some revelation? Okay, I'm going to give it to you. Here we go. Genesis chapter 22, 9, it says this. God spoke to Abraham and told Abraham, go to a place to worship. So he said, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it, and tied his son, Isaac. Everyone say his only son. His one son. And laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, son under covenant. The one that God had promised. And he tied him. Laid him on the altar. Can you imagine? I don't know if there's any fight or rebuttal, but I do know that prior to them going up that mountain, the servant to Abraham said, where are you going? And Abraham said to him, we are, me and the lad are going up to worship God, but we'll be back. Stating that he knew whatever took place God would still give him back his son. We are so fearful that what we give to God, we lose. That is not. You have to have faith that what you lay on the altar comes out for your good. It's not something that's taken away from you. It's something that was returned back to God. God was testing Abraham because it was his son, the firstborn out of the wound under covenant. He had to honor God and wanted to test Abraham. And it said, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven right when he was doing it. He said, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know you are truly you truly fear God, honor him, and reverence him. You have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in its thorns in the thicket. A ram, a mature lamb, a mature one. When Jesus came into this world, he had thorns on his head that he allowed them to place. That was the place where God had determined in his mind to become the sacrifice. And they mocked him, calling him the king of the Jews mockingly. But this is where God looked at Abraham and said, now I know you fear God and you're my friend and and so at that moment he looked and God provided the sacrifice. Watch this. And here's what happens. And he took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Jireh, or in other translations, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Provide what? Groceries? Huh? Gotcha. Provide what? The offering, the lamb, the sacrifice. God will provide the sacrifice, not the things. And then even today, the people use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. In other words, when we get into a place of worship, what we actually come encounter with is the sacrificial offering that God has that brings the blessings. So when we say the Lord has provided, it is really saying our righteousness without Jesus is like filthy rags. God has blessed us. And in that thought, God, again, go back to John 3, 16. God gave his only begotten son into the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish in any way. It's from the lamb 
that the blessings come. So when you stand in faith and say the Lord has provided, what you're really meaning to say and need to say is because of Jesus in my life, I am blessed. Because God has gave me the lamb that was slain for all nations, my sins are remitted and my life is an open heaven in this world. And I walk in a new dimension of having God redeemed me. It was the sacrifices that brought the blessings of God into Abraham's life. That's why he was known as an altar builder. Abraham studied his life. He was known as an altar builder. He was known for sacrificing to God. He was a very wealthy man. He was very, very wealthy, even with armies. Abraham had the means to rule as a king, I believe he was. Before the time had come, he had reigned. Because he knew the secret of redemption. He was so convinced of it when God said, offer me your son. He did it. And that was for our education. Because God stopped it in Abraham's life, but he let it proceed forward in his own life. See, that's, what, that's the big difference there. Isaac wasn't perfect. He couldn't offer Isaac. And I think Abraham knew that. He wasn't the perfect sacrifice. He was flawed. He had been around Isaac. Isaac lied like Abraham. It even says later on that, that Isaac lied like Abraham did about his wife. Had the same sinful nature. Think about that. So he wasn't the perfect offering. He knew God would provide something better. And when he did, God fulfilled his word and provided something. You really know what has happened when you got saved? Do you really understand the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus? You can now stand before God blameless. You can stand before God and you do not need to call yourself, I'm just a sinner, God. If you're sinning, then you are. But if you're free and God delivered you, then you are blessed and you're a family member and you are covered by the blood and you have the power of God in your your life. I, I, I just cringe when people say we're all just sinners. That's a, that's, a, that's a lie from the devil if you're constantly wanting to do your own thing. But God came to set us free from sin, from ourselves. Yeah, we fail, we make mistakes, but if it's not your lifestyle, it's not something like who wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I'm going to sin against God today. That's what I'm going to do. Nobody says that. You're not a sinner. It's like you're not a bank robber. Right? Right? Jeez, don't forget to pay your tithes. <laughs> Let me clean that. So anyways, I'm joking, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Ah, Lord Jesus. It's not what you do. It's not what you want to do. And Jesus knew that. And he came to save us from it. And there was nothing else that could have done it except by his own blood. Except by his own blood. Except by his own blood. So, so listen, here's, here's where it all begins to change. Our righteousness is just filthy rags. But his righteousness inside of us that causes us to walk after him is his righteousness that brings holiness into our life. It's the spirit of God that causes us to be obedient, to walk in his instruction that brings us into a place of holiness. I understand addiction. I understand how powerful it is to be addicted to something. I wasn't raised in church. I was not raised in church. I was raised in a dance hall. I was raised in a dance hall where I was bartending at the age of 15 illegally. They can't do nothing to me now. What are they going to do? Here I am. I knew the lifestyle of dance halls. There's so much demonic activity in the dance halls. It's the worst place you can go. 
and you'll lose your soul eventually. God delivered me from it. I know the spirit behind it. I can tell you stories of demonic presences and spirits that I saw at a young age. I can tell you. I can show you. I'm not supposed to be here. None of us are. But God and his redemptive plan, as stubborn as I was, God said, I'm going to redeem him with my son and took a chance on me. What is the least I can do to God? Does God need my money? Mm -mm. You know what God needs? He needs me to stop worshiping money or mammon, and he needs me to give to him freely as worship to make that place in my heart a place where he can abide. He wants my heart, not my money. And the only way to surrender your full entire being is through three avenues, time, talent, treasure. They all connect to your heart. They all connect to your heart. So it's about worship. So when you look at giving, serving, and the time as worship, then you can feel the anointing and the wisdom and the blessings that come from that in your time, your prayer life, your worship life. When you give it to God freely and you do it cheerfully and you do it in pursuit of him, the more time you spend with God, it's amazing. The more time you spend with God, the less time you spend with dealing with problems because he'll start taking care of problems. The more time you spend with God, the less time you spend with troubled people. God will, I'm telling you, God will protect you from drama. Some of you are dealing with drama right now in your family, telling you how to get rid of the drama. I'm going to tell you how to deal with the drama. Go to God. Give him your time. Let him deal with those spirits behind the scenes. Let him low, Let him use you to pray through you. I'm giving you secrets right now, and God will begin to make things at peace in your home, in your family, and even people he'll protect you from. Treasure. He'll give you wisdom, understanding. Once you relinquish it to him and honor him to give him the first fruits to redeem the rest of your finance and everything in your life. Just like the time, he'll redeem the rest of your time. God can redeem time. Even if you have lost time over the years because of a lifestyle of sin and rebellion, the moment you come to God and begin to give him the first fruits of your time, I'm going to tell you something. God will begin to redeem the time and begin to exponentially bless your efforts and all that you do, and he can restore you like that God can do more in one year of full continual worship and commitment than you can do in a decade first fruits talents let God use your giftings let God use your abilities and don't settle for the spotlight it's not about the spotlight it's about what you do in secret God rewards you openly Okay, I, I got to move on. Are you ready? Romans chapter 11. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? Like, are you sure, God? Right? Are you sure? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? I mean, like, some people are like, even with pastors, I've given so much to that church. That pastor owes me. I don't owe you nothing. I owe Jesus everything. If you were giving to this church for me, you're not living right and have a wrong perspective. You're religious. Let me tell you something. Every hour you have given, every penny you have given, every one of your talents was for the Lord, and that's between you and him. I'm just being honest with you. Hell will lie to you. And tell you, well, God owes me. This is why people leave church, because they feel like they're entitled. You can't do that. The devil is a liar. No, 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 no. The greatest price was given to you at Calvary. You were redeemed. You shouldn't even be here. But you need to give God your life. So what? You serve once a week. You serve once. <laughs> God gave his life. My son will tell you. Anytime my son has ever, I mean, I, I, I got a whim of it. If I get a whim, I'm going to say it, son. If I ask my son to do something and he says, well, I'm just so tired, 
I'll send him a picture of the crucifixion. <laughs> Cold-blooded, right? I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it works. I was just so tired, done so much. We have never, none of us have done more than Jesus. I can't take the credit for any good thing that happens in my life. I just give him back the glory. I give him back the glory. Say, all glory and honor to you, Lord. Verse 36, for everything comes from him. Say it with me. Read this with me, verse 36. Let's read it together. You ready? For everything comes from him and exists by his power as intended for his glory. Amen. Thank you. All, let me read it again. For everything comes from him and exists by his power, and it is intended for his glory. You mean every good thing in my life? Yeah, we're supposed to give God the glory. People, God wants to see the glory of his presence and blessings on your life so they can see that there is a God and that God is good. God is good. So what does it have to do with us to the redemptive power? Here's what it has to do with us. Now that you have been redeemed and washed by the blood, you stand before him with not just a clear conscience, but cleanliness, holiness. And you now become what Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You know what reasonable service is referencing? The priesthood. Now your life becomes a living sacrifice. And when you learn how to live out of servanthood and give God your life, if you want to know how to get fire in your life, here's how you get fire. Become the sacrifice. Live a life of sacrifice. Some people don't have fire in their life, and they can't deal with certain things that come against them, the demonic spirits and, and temptations and stuff, and even their own bondage because they're still bound. But do you remember the three Hebrew children when they were thrown into the fire? They came out without the cords of bondage. They, what was it that set them free? The fire. Because our God is a consuming fire. Fire doesn't hurt you. Heaven's fire sets you free. It's the light of God. And when the light is bright enough in your life, it's because you have no reservations in your life. Offering it your life to God, which is your reasonable service. Or in other words, it's the least we can do for what he's done for us. It's the least we can do for what he's done for us. I'm closing with this. I'm leaving you with this thought. Are you ready? Watch this. God owes us nothing. We owe him everything. The very essence of first fruits is found when he was redeemed, when he redeemed you and I. And here we are. Here we are. And God gave his son for you. And we have a hard time giving him time, talent, and treasure. I had a guy the other day, he came up to me at a place of business. And he goes, man, I want to I come to your church. I think he said that to me probably five times already. But I said, great, love to have you every time. Great, love to have you. Great, love to have you. And finally, he goes, but, man, I went to this other church. And all they talked about was money. I said, wow. Okay, and he named the church, and I know the church and the pastor, and I know that they were just going through a building program. And I said, that poor pastor was just probably trying to do what God's called him to do, to call on faithful people to help him fulfill the assignment. And I can imagine one guy there going, oh, my God, I need to get what I need. I can't help this people. I don't have that kind of money. He missed the whole point. What can the church do for me, not what I can do for the church? That was a false 
perspective. I do what I do for the kingdom because I am the church, because of what he did for me. It's my reasonable service. Because if you had a true revelation of what eternity looked like, what we put on our necks and ears and ring on our finger is pavement over there. Pavement. Pearls, gates, gems, jewels, bricks, martyr. And here we are getting hung up on material things when there are some things that can't be bought. And the kingdom of God is greater. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. What enables you to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? The righteousness of Christ that's inside of you. Why? Because the Lord has provided. And because he's provided the ultimate sacrifice, he has now placed you in a position to be blessed. And if you put him first, first fruits, the kingdom will begin to manifest around your life. This is the secret to walking and not, not lacking. Do I have it all together? No. No one has it all together, but I've never been without. I have never been without. Because God is faithful. He has fought every one of my battles. He has healed everything that I have ever went through in the past. He has, he has redeemed my life. He has blessed my children. Because the one thing I look to more than anything else are the things that are eternal. And when I seek those things that are eternal, everything else takes its place in my life. Now I'm challenging you this year. I'm challenging you right now to put God first and don't get clingy to things. But let God deal with your heart and make everything that you give and do be an act of worship because God redeemed you. Yeah, that's right. You can give God some praise. Will you stand to your feet this Sunday morning? Let's just dedicate ourselves. In the 930 services, there was such a strong anointing there because people were hungry. I, I assume that you're hungry as well. Will you just make that your prayer right now? I'm asking God to just let the Spirit of the Lord descend upon you and let there be a burning desire and a revelation. You have been redeemed. We were unclean, but God sent his clean son, the lamb, to give his life to redeem you and I. There is so much more to this. There is so much more to this. You've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Somebody lift up your voice and begin to praise him. Will somebody begin to just worship him right now? And say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I surrender my praise. I give you my time right now. Come on, just a few seconds, just a few moments. Give him your time. Give him your heart. Give him your ability right now. I worship you. I worship you. I serve you. I surrender to you, King Jesus. King Jesus, I worship you. I worship you. I stand here as part of the priesthood. I stand here as a royal priesthood. I ask you to ignite God and set my soul on fire. Let my senses become aware. Let me have understanding. Let the Spirit of the Lord descend upon me. Let there be power that comes out of me. Let there be knowledge, wisdom, understanding, the fear of the Lord. Let there be insight, God. Let my ears be attentive to your counsel. And I pray right now that let there be a that there be a fragrance come from this building. Let there be a fragrance, God, of worshipers come from this building. And let there be a fire. Let there be a group of people, God, begin to grow and mature here that understand what's been done in their life. Let there be people, dear God. If you're dealing with stuff right now and you have drama and division and spirits that are messing with you and your family, become a living sacrifice right now. Repent of your sins. Repent of every mindset. Repent of every thought. Repent of every stubbornness. Repent of carnality. Repent of your own way and just begin to worship him through your, through your, through your mercy and grace, through his grace and mercy. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, we come against a spirit of greed. We come against a spirit of entitlement, a spirit of offense. We come against bitterness, unforgiveness. We come against arrogance, pride, manipulation, 
right now we bind every spirit that's not from the Holy Ghost that you did not send into our lives. We just say be bound and be cast back into an abyss. Get out of this region right now. You need to speak it over your life. Go, go in the name of Jesus. Be bound in the name of Jesus. And we loose every single person. Loose them from the bonds. Loose them from entanglement. Loose them, dear God, from spirits of lust. Loose them right now. Loose them from greed. Loose them from a spirit of men, a, 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 a poverty mentality. A religious spirit. A religious spirit. A religious spirit. A religious spirit will keep you poor. A religious spirit will keep you begging. A relational spirit, a redemptive spirit will help you to walk in authority and know who you are and that you have the right to walk in the blessings and the authority of God in your life for your family's sake, for the glory of God. You have to get out of that old religious mindset and let the glory of God begin to reveal itself in your life so people can recognize that there is a God. Hmm. This year, in the name of Jesus Christ, the King of glory, there will be, there will be people that God will raise up as millionaires through this church because of the kingdom perspective and they're not doing it for the money they're doing it for the kingdom they're not doing it for the money they're doing it for the kingdom I have been praying God send them and raise them up because priests everyone has but you fall short when you don't allow yourself to be a king and have dominion The priesthood is what establishes the kingship. The city of David was very, very successful in wars and prospering in every way because of the tabernacle, the worship. Then he was successful in warfare and everything else. You must function in both. You can't walk out of your house with confidence and reassurance and speaking against things that are standing in your way if you've not learned how to worship in your house and make God number one. God first. God first. God first. Make that your prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, be first in my life. First, first, first in every part of my life. First, first right now. 